I've so appreciated the last couple of weeks having a couple of people fill in for me. Uh, Denise shared a couple of weeks ago about the um, conversion from Saul to Paul and uh, the dramatic experience that was, and really how his salvation experience um, really, you know, transformed the church all the way up till today um, through Paul's ministry and his writings of much of the New Testament. And then, of course, uh, Pastor Leaf last week shared about Cornelius and how the church leaders, these new church leaders, had come to realize that God was expanding his church, his family, to the Gentiles, to people who were outside of the Jewish faith. Um, and that was evidenced through the Holy Spirit. All this has been a part of a big series we've been looking at called Launch. Um, throughout this series, we've, ta we've taken a look at the book of Acts and how the Lord raised up His church. And we've looked at the Holy Spirit. We've looked at boldness. We've looked at persecutions. We've looked at a guy named Stephen getting martyred. Um, it's been an incredible journey watching how the Lord took um, this message of hope and the understanding of what the crucifixion and the resurrection meant, and it grew quickly. People were discovering hope in God through Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be uh, concluding our launch series with a very special look in Acts chapter 11 at a town called Antioch. And um, in this message, we're going to be taking a look at how missions really got its start. Um, it's, uh, so we've called this message, Missions, A Natural Progression. I'm uh, pretty excited to share this message today, and next week we're going to switch into the second half of the book of Acts with a series we're called Trials. But as we conclude launch, we're going to see why the city, the town of Antioch, was critical for the launch of the church. Um, the first reference to missions that we find in the Bible goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, and God came and spoke to Abram and commanded him to leave his people, to go to a people not of his own, to a completely unfamiliar place. And I wanna read um, a couple verses out of Genesis 12, and we see God's heart for the distant, from those who are outside of our sphere, and for his people to develop a heart for those that are not close by, those who are not near, God's heart for people who are different. And let's take a look here. Genesis 12, 1 through 4 says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Jesus himself also makes himself clear with this heart for missions, this heart to go, to leave the, the comfortable, to leave the familiar. When he said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, these are a very a common words for the church. And it's really the last words Jesus gave here while on earth. And it says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make the 
disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Um, Here we find Jesus conveying his heart and this really his last words to go and make disciples of all nations. But the disciples and early Jewish Christ followers still were operating from a racist perspective. See, there was still this understanding that they as Jews had an edge on the on God, that they had like a, a corner on the market with God and that they were his chosen people, special people. And indeed they were all throughout the Old Testament and still have a special place in God's history and God's story in his heart. But really God came to redeem all mankind and all who say yes to Jesus are a part of the family of faith. But these new believers, these disciples did not quite have that understanding until last week until Cornelius, the episode there, and and God gave Peter that vision of that blanket being let down, and there were all kinds of unclean animals according to Old Testament law, and and the voice of God said, rise up and eat, and Peter's like, I wouldn't do that, and really it was a message saying that the things, the people that you have called unclean, I call clean because of the blood of Jesus, and it really changed Um, the perspective and the mindset and the mission field and where they were to go. In fact, we kind of get this understanding at the beginning of Acts 11, verses 1 through 3 says, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And it says, And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and you ate with them. So then Peter tells them all about this episode that took place with Cornelius and this vision and this dream. And then he picks back up in verse 18 when it says, When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So this is where I would like to pick up the story here is this fresh understanding that the mission field is wide open, that those who are eligible for relationship with God, there's no more boundaries. There's there's nothing that would hold a person back from receiving Christ. And if you were here today and you thought that there was a boundary on you, that you were not eligible for relationship with God, I'm here to tell you that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are eligible. You are Um, invited into the family of God, into the family of faith, into the church. And so I want to take a look here what takes place in this town called Antioch. And what we're going to discover is that this town becomes a missions hub. It becomes a place that finds Christ, grows up in Christ. Um, It's hearing God's voice and it doesn't stop there, but it goes out with the mission of the gospel. And um, it's a picture of health. It's a picture of, of the kind of health God wants for his church. So let's start reading. And the first observation we're going to find here in Acts 11, beginning in verse 19, is that there's a revival. There is a time when the dead discover life. Let's read about it. Acts chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, 
Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and great number believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, so I don't know if you'll recall, but several weeks ago, we talked about after this persecution that broke out on all these new believers, and, and Stephen being stoned, and this martyrdom that, that happened, that the church was scattered, but as they were scattered, they went preaching the gospel. And that's kind of what we're picking up here in, in chapter 11, is that there was these different cities, and particularly there's one that we fo- we're going to focus on is Antioch, and there were people from all over that landed at Antioch, and they heard the gospel, and they believed, and there was a great number who turned to the Lord, it said. And it was as a result of this scattering. So there was no intentionality at this point. The church was kind of running for its life, but going forth with the gospel, but not with intentionality, not being sent, just being scattered. And here they land in Antioch. And in these verses, we find various people groups mentioned. We find people from Phoenicia, which was northern Israel. Um, and we find um, Cyprus mentioned, which was an island out there in the Mediterranean. So there were some islanders there. We find the, the name Cyrene, which Cyrene is actually North Africa, right on the coast there of the Mediterranean. And then we find also mention of the Hellenists. And the Hellenists were Jewish people. People, but from Greece. And so they were Greek speaking Jewish people. And all of these people are there in Antioch. Antioch became the third largest city in the Roman Empire. There was a lot of people coming and going through Antioch. It was a, it was a hip city. It was strategically located north of Israel on the way on over to Rome. Um, it kind of rounded the, uh, it was on the northeast side of the Mediterranean Sea. And it was in a strategic location where there was a lot of coming and going. It turns out to be an ideal location for people who've got this open-mindedness, for people who hear the gospel, they receive it, and they're in a position to spread out and go on missions. And we're going to see that happen. The gospel is spoken in Antioch in the hearing of this diverse group of people. No matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, this people group, um, if you feel dead inside because you don't know Jesus, you are welcome to discover life. And that's what takes place. The dead folks, the people who are have died in sin, yet still walking around, still doing life, figuring it out, confusion, depression, fear, all, all of that's involved. And they discover the good news of Jesus Christ and they become alive. They become revived. That's what Jesus does. He takes people that are walking around with death inside of them, with no vision, with no hope, with no understanding of God, and he speaks life through Jesus Christ. Revival. And it says in verse 21 that a great number of people believed. This is a sovereign move of God for such a moment as this. God ordained this revival in Antioch. 
And, and what happens is that people start talking about this revival going on. Maybe you've heard of that before, something special going on at a certain place at a certain time. In the church, we like to call it a revival is going on over there. People are discovering Christ. The bars are emptying. The churches are filling. There's amazing things going on. Revival has broke out. And that's what's going on here in Antioch. And I want to keep reading. And here we're going to discover that there is growth, spiritual growth. The infant that has now become alive become, is going to become mature. And um, let's read here. Verse 22, it says, Then news of these things, of this revival, came to the ears of the church back in Jerusalem. And they, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So Barnabas is down in Jerusalem where, of course, the, Jesus rose from the dead down there. And this is where the persecution of, of Stephen took place. This is where they scattered from. And he's still there engaging in ministry, probably underground church ministry. But he gets word that there is a revival. There's been an acceptance of this gospel story that has taken place up there in Antioch. And so he goes on up there. He meets with them. He's so impressed with what he's seeing. He encourages them. Many more people are continually being added. He's so excited about what's going on. He goes on, heads west over to Tarsus, finds Saul and says, you got to come back with me. There's something amazing going on in Antioch. Brings him back over there. And for the next year, Barnabas and Paul are spending time in Antioch watching this church grow. Many more people are coming. It is like, it's a growth experience. People are learning doctrine. They're learning to hear God's voice. They're um, learning how to love people. It's an amazing time. They're learning how to pray. It's a time that this church is growing here in Antioch. Uh, have you ever heard of a hot fishing hole? Those of you who like to fish, you hear a fish being caught down around the corner. When I was a kid, um, we used to go up to Baker Lake and we would go fishing for these nice little trout-like fish called silvers. They actually were mini salmon. And we loved to catch them. We would, we would have a bunch of people out there and there's a certain time of year where you'd, you'd go up and there was this one location around the bend called White Rocks. There was a bunch of white rocks at the corner there. And you would look out and you would see this gigantic lake and you would see literally for miles, Baker Lake is a huge lake and there's no boats anywhere. And you look over to White Rocks and there's like 50 or 60 boats all in the same spot because that was the hot spot. That's where the fishing was good. That's where the silvers like to be. And we go on over there and we're throwing our chum and we're fishing and we're catching fish like crazy. And you wouldn't dare to go anywhere else in the lake. You'd be wasting your time because the hot spot was that white rocks. And you see, that's kind of what's going on at Antioch. These people, Barnabas, Saul, they're doing ministry and they get word that God is doing something special in Antioch. He's got something in store there. And they go there. They spend time there. They spend a year there. 
the great number believed, and there was growth. I want for us to take a look at what happens next. This is a, a special moment when these new believers are beginning to hear God's voice. The, the, the gifts of the Spirit are starting to happen in Antioch here. And we're going to find here is that the church hears from God. Let's read in verse 27. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So in this maturing context where the church is growing, they're learning to hear God's voice, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are beginning to be utilized. In fact, other men and women who have um, this relationship with the Lord that are even called prophets, they come to be a part of this hot spot for the gospel in Antioch. And it says, Agabus receives this um, message from the Lord. There's going to be a great famine in the land. And, um, and so I just want to take a few moments to just talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, God has given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that um, we don't need to rely on our own talents, our own insight, our own wisdom, but rather we can tap into the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. It was poured out on His church so that we could hear from Him, so that we could be a blessing to those around us, that we could pray for people and they are indeed healed. And we know that when we pray for someone and they are healed, that it's not us doing the work. It's something supernatural. It's God doing it. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we are a church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that when we come together, each one comes in with their own special gift that the Holy Spirit has given to them. And we need to, as a church, not sit on the sidelines being spectators with these gifts, but rather we need to come and say, how, how can I be a contributor? How are the gifts God's given me able to be utilized? And that is kind of what's going on here in Antioch. The gifts that God gives are um, accountable. There's an accountability when we operate in the gifts. We get to trust that our brothers and sisters are also able to hear from God and can hold one another accountable. They test the message that comes, and they're able to correct if they don't feel like it's lining up. There's this special accountability. That's what's so nice about being a part of the church, and accountability is important. And so the church here has this message, a famine is coming. And so now there's going to be a response to that. And my last thought here is this picture of missions. This community of Antioch, this new church, goes from being a place that's receiving from God and decides it's going to be a place that's going for God. Arrows are going to point outward, especially at the message of this word, that there was a famine coming. Let's read verse 29. It says, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Here we find this church being concerned about the believers and the people 
in the areas around them. They send people out. They send Saul. They send Barnabas. I'm sure they were sending others in different directions because really as we take a look at our next series, we're going to find that Paul's missionary journey often are sent right out of Antioch and out of this moment. And he goes on several different missions, uh, mission trips really, sharing the gospel. And this really is the first uh, view of that. The church in Antioch becomes the first sending church. Christian missions is born out of this moment. You see, it's God's idea to strengthen local churches so that they can send people out. We, we at Rochester Life, we want to be strong. We want to have strong discipleship. We want for people to be growing in their faith. We want the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operating. But we want all that to happen, not so that we can look good or we can feel good or we can be smarter, but rather we want all of this to happen for this final step of this natural development process of the church, and that is that we might go and be a blessing to the nations. We see that in God's heart all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, when God said to Abram, leave a people that you are, no, leave your comfort zone because I'm calling you to be a great nation. I'm calling you to be a blessing to the nation. Um, and, and then we see Jesus saying, go out and make disciples of all the nations. You see, we are desiring and praying that God would not just fill us up for our sake, but he fills us up that we've got something to give. The healthy, natural progression of the church is sending, sending and going out. Resources. My aim at Rochester Life is that we would have resources that can be used outside of the church. Um, it's really our aim that is uh, we're taking a look at our budget and everything that we want to be a church that tithes, that the, the monies that come in, we want to make sure 10% of what's coming into Rochester Life is being used for the sake of the gospel outside of our context, that it's used for local ministries that are doing incredible works that are sharing the gospel. We want to make sure that it's supporting missionaries going around the world. We want to make sure that we've got a healthy flow of resources that are going out of our own church context. Um, we want for our people that are a part of our church to recognize that they're not just called to stay and be fed, but they are called to give and to go, that they are a part of this process of being a blessing and making disciples of all the nations, that we realize that we've got the good news to share, that we've got this message that every single human being on the earth needs to know and needs to hear that Jesus loves them, died on a cross for them, and rose from the dead for them. That he is offering them eternal life. This is something that we must go. We don't just do nice things for people. We don't aren't just involved with humanitarian aid, but rather we go with the gospel message. We go with the gospel hope. That's what we must do. As I wrap this thing up today, I want for us to realize that if you or me or anybody else that calls themselves part of the church finds themselves at any of the first three stages I talked about, that revival stage when you've come to find Christ and you've become alive in Christ, but you just stay there, then you are uh, in, a, in a moment or you're, in a, you're stuck in a place of arrested development because God has saved you for more than you being saved. 
Or maybe you find yourself really enjoying reading your Bible or coming together in small group and you are um, growing in your knowledge of God and, and you love all of those things. Um, you're watching people on TV or on the internet and you're love listening to messages of you know people preaching and everything. And, and if you, that's all good stuff and I want you to keep doing it. But if, if you say that's really all I need to do to be a Christian, well then you also, your development is arrested. Or maybe you are one who just really loves the gifts of the Holy Spirit and God uses you and you can speak prophetically and you can um, you know, speak in tongues. You might even pray for people and you're seeing things happen. And if, that, if you are content with that, then I also want to let you know that you also might be struggling with an arrested development because all of this does not come to maturity until we have got a mindset for the lost, until we've got a mindset for those, especially those who are outside of our influence, that we've got to make an influence, that we've got to go, we've got to give, we've got to be a part of the Great Commission. And that is the mark of maturity. All of those other things are important. But if it's not wrapped up, if it's not um, culminating in our care for lost people, if it's not, if we are not involved with the Great Commission, friends, then we are not living fully developed, mature believers. We are struggling and we somehow are in a re an arrested development. This church in Antioch, within a year, had come to a place where they had become mission-sending church. Within one year of discovering Christ, there was growth, there was discipleship, the gifts of the Spirit began to operate, but it, within a year's time, they were sending people out with the good news of Jesus. We, not only as a church, but we as individuals, need to engage in the Great Commission. And I, I mean, that means that we pray for those who are going, we send them out, we give our resources. We all need to be given to missions. We've all got to be given money and resources to the gospel going out. We've also got to be, if we are able to, we go. And that might mean... We're going online and we're sharing the good news. It might mean we're going across the street to our neighbors. It might mean that we're getting on an airplane and we're going around the world. I don't know what it means, but we've all got to have this heart that says, Lord, take me to where people need Jesus. I want to be your light. I want to be your message. And you know, one thing, friends, some of you might say, you know what? I don't have the right personality for that. And I get that because I'm uncomfortable too with talking to strangers. But you know what? I have seen God use the shyest people to do some amazing things. You might say, I don't really have the extra resources. I've seen God use some of the poorest people to be involved with the gospel and taking it forth. Because where God calls, where he decides he wants to send us, he also equips us for it. He will, he will give you what you need in that hour. He's just looking for available hearts. He's looking for people that say, God, I'm, I'm glad you saved me. I'm glad that you've taught me out of your word and you've grown me up. I, I'm glad that your gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating. But Lord, I really want to be used to tell people about Jesus. I really want to be used that the gospel will go forward. I want to be a goer and a sender. And as we've wrapped up here, the launch series, it, it's, it's so beautiful that we've brought it into the end here at Antioch, the first missions sending church. And may we have the heart of the people in Antioch. May we have the vision for those who are outside of our sphere, outside of our context, 
You may not know exactly who God will send you to, but he's looking for availability. Let's pray. God, your church is not meant to just be about itself, but Lord, your church is meant to care for those outside, those who've yet to hear the good news. Lord, you didn't just die for the Jewish people, but Lord, you died for all who would call on the name of Jesus. Lord, you died for the outcast. You died for um, the each and every people group, oh Lord. It didn't stop, Lord, at those who lived in Jerusalem. It didn't stop with those who, uh, who were Jewish um, ancestry. Lord God, you came and you died and you've called us, O Lord, um, each and every one, regardless of our background. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray for every individual in your church. Lord, it said that in Antioch, your church, the people there first became called Christians. And Lord, I know that that name Christian means a whole lot of things these days. And a lot of us don't even want to identify it. But Lord God, I want to be known by the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to be known as a person who loves others. I want to be known as someone who walks in the same manner, in the same mindset, and with the same heart as Jesus Christ. I want to be like you, Lord. And you didn't have boundaries. You didn't have uh, people that you wouldn't, wouldn't talk to or you wouldn't touch. Lord God, you went to those who wanted to hear. And so, Lord God, I just pray that you would use your church, use me, use my friends talking today that I'm talking to today. Use us, O oh Lord, for the furthering of the kingdom of God. May you launch us into a missions, heart, and focus, and journey like we've never been a part of before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this launch series. God bless you.